Brought to you by CK and WWFD Productions, the next installment of Popcorn and Monsters. Have your tickets at the ready for Chapter 6, He's Alone. Wolfie, Mummy, can you hear me? Igor was banging on the wall where the door had been just a few seconds ago, but he could tell by the solid thunk that wherever they had gone to it was no longer directly behind this wall. They would just have to wait until the door returned and deal with it then. In the meantime, the three remaining characters could only do one thing, and that was to finally get that cup of tea. Okay, this isn't a problem. We have no need to panic. We're totally fine and no harm will come to us. Right? Wolfie, right. I'm right, right? Easy, Mummy. This is not a problem. This is merely a slight diversion in what has been a less than standard day in the life of five so-called monsters. I'm not a monster. A mummy is an age-old profession, that's all. Sorry about that. Little highly strung as it is, and this is really not helping. You really believe that this is just a slight diversion? Of course I believe it. If I didn't believe it, then the gravity of everything that's happened so far may hit me like an asteroid hits the Earth in a Bruce Willis film. Who's Bruce Willis? asked the bemused mummy. Who's... You know what? That's not important. What we need to do right now is to keep our guard up and explore. Where they now were was a basic room, even more basic than the one they had started in. There was no kitchen, no beanbag chair, just four walls with a roof that seemed to be kept up by hope rather than physical supports, and a floor that you just knew would have more creaks than an old folk home's yoga session. However, the room wasn't empty. There was that feeling again. The one that seemed stronger just before and just after the door made its sporadic appearances. Again, it was like popcorn in Wolfie's nostrils. That wasn't the only thing in this room. Do you think they're okay, whatever they are? Igor seemed concerned, but it was hard to tell with his ever-shifting face. Well, we have no way of knowing. I would like to suggest that we talk about our situation, and if we have any way of getting out of here. I do not want to sound cold, but I am a monster, am I not? The Count paused, as if waiting, sorry, waiting for an answer to that last statement, but Igor didn't take the bait. Well, I guess there is nothing we can do until this mystical door makes another appearance. How are you, Lumpy? Lumpy was sitting on the floor with his building-sized head resting on his hall-sized chest. He looked up at the sound of Igor's voice reaching his canyon-esque ears. Igor made the universal gesture of, Well, what do you think? This consisted of shoulder-shrugging that is normal on a human, but from Igor, it would have scared cats. Lumpy thought for a moment. And he was thinking. He had found that ever since he had been in this place that he was picking things up quite quickly. 
In his short spell with the doctor, he had been taught certain things. Not things like which item of cutlery was used for which course, or picking out a hat for Ascot Race Day. It was more along the lines of learning something called the alphabet. A. For amputation. B. For boiling oil. C. For corpses. D. For used to be dead. The standard stuff. In this place, however, he had found things just sort of landing in his brain. Things such as being able to pick up what his friends were saying. He could understand most of the words, but he was still learning and wanted to hold off on verbally replying for fear of making himself look stupid. Igor was still looking at him. Lumpy tried to think of a way to communicate. Talking was on the tip of his brain. Close, but not yet. He wanted to get across the main feeling in his heart. So, extending an arm that was longer than a politician's yes or no answer, he then pointed a finger toward where the door normally made its appearance, and then he frowned. Igor thought to himself, You know, for someone who still seems to be very childlike, he really knows how to make his thoughts known. Are you all right, Igor? Your face, it is looking crumpled. More so than usual. Igor turned away from the both, saying, I've got some dust in my eye, that's all. I think I've got some dust in my eye. Let's have a look, Mummy. Wolfie tried to look into Mummy's eyes, but Mummy was evading him. Come on now, I'm not going to hurt you. Mummy kept bobbing and weaving like a boxer in his prime. I don't think you're going to hurt me. It's just that I can't let you look into my eyes. Something bad occurs when that happens. It's part of the whole curse of the mummy deal. Really? Oh, blimey. I'll do you a deal then. You don't take a flea comb near me and I won't look all deep and meaningful into your baby blues. How's that sound? Oh... I think that sounds like a plan. Right, my eyes have settled. Let's take a look round, shall we? The two of them stood side by side in the middle of the room. It wasn't a small room as such, but you wouldn't get King Kong's hairbrush on the table that stood by the wall. They both wandered over to the table slowly and stood dumbstruck at the 12-inch black-and-white television that was sitting on top of it. It was a classic old portable telly with a twisted antenna on the top of it. The TV was off, but there was still a tiny white dot in the centre of the screen and there was a slight crackling as if it had just been turned off. The smell of popcorn was even stronger here. Mummy was the first to say the obvious. What is it? Okay, not that obvious. What do you mean, what is it? Don't you know what a telly is? It's something that you can watch a Bruce Willis film on. I've got no idea what it is. You have to remember, I was born and raised in a forest, and the only unusual thing that we had was that one time when a bat flew into the living room squeaking, I can see, I can see! before it flew into our stove. Other than that, nothing. 
Well, mummy. A television is something that's powered by electricity and is used to show programmes that revolve around your garden or your kitchen. It's also one of the last things I would have expected to see around here. We need to get back to the others, somehow, and let them know about this. Agreed. One other thing. What's electricity? I wonder what they're doing, and if they're okay. You do not think that they had embroiled in some fight to the death for some sick people's entertainment, do you? Or being paraded around some medical laboratory, being probed and prodded by some other mad doctor and his underlings? There's a lot of them about, you know. Count flinched at this, but remained quiet for the moment. Do you have any enemies, Igor? Anybody that you would have known in the past who may be wanting to mess with your mind? Nothing springs to immediate elucidation. I and my kind have always been on the peripherals of society, always there and always needed, but never held in high regard. Not a problem for me, I should add, but you do see a lot of things, and perhaps someone or something has taken into their mind that I am a threat of some sort. And you, Count? Anyone who may hold a grudge with you? There was quite a long pause as Count pondered his answer, his pale red eyes misting over, but if that was with memories or with lingering alcohol content, we're not sure. Well, Igor, I am a monster, a dark and mysterious creature of the night, the one who lingers on your paranoia as you close your eyes in the dark. However, seem to be the only one who thinks this, so no, no real enemies. Of course there was Van Helsing, but he was of no consequence, a mere gnat of annoyance that would buzz around my life. Are you sure, Count? When was the last time he was buzzing around your life? Any final threats that he imparted to you in your last encounter? Oh, he was always making threats and talking in a way that made him sound like an ancient prophet. Lest thee be warned, I shall smite thee with the power of God's will, and so on and so on. He was an amateur. But the last time we crossed swords, as it were, he told me that the next time I saw him it would be under very final circumstances. But I really don't believe that he would be capable of anything at all. Igor was looking at the Count with a look that could have withered lead. But that was only because he had a sneeze stuck. So, Count, you really don't think that this Van Helsing is an actual threat, because it would seem that he is the only thing we have to work with at the moment. I still think he's a pitiful little man. He would need help. He may well be a possibility. There is only one other who may be behind this, though, and that is... What is going on? The door! The door is coming back! 
The three of them looked as the crucial door started yet another cameo. The usual process of bloody, solid, bloody, and once again it was solid, opening quickly to reveal Wolfie and Mummy. Where were you? Have you found anything to help us? It's better to just show you. Come through, quickly, quickly. Wolfie was panicking because time was once again slowing. In slow motion style, the other three ran towards the door with Count leading the way. They could have been jogging through treacle. However, they managed to make their way closer to the doorway. Count made it through first, just as the ceiling above the beanbag chair started to swirl. He was followed by Igor, but already the doorway was starting to dwindle at the same time as the ceiling became the dark sky void that preceded a newcomer being birthed into the room. Unfortunately, Lumpy's body was still quite new, and he wasn't going to make it through. Just a couple of feet before he could join his companions, the doorway became a wall again, and he only stopped by thumping into it. At the same time as his collision, there was a soft but heavy thwomp as something landed on the red beanbag chair. Time once again resumed normal service. Fists were banging on the wall, voices shouting over one another. Lumpy, can you hear us? Are you okay? Igor spoke in anxious tones. We tried the same thing when you two vanished before. Did you hear us? No, we didn't. Oh man, this is too cruel. He can't be left alone yet. He's going to be terrified and he doesn't even know what the word is. Wolfie resumed pounding, his hairy fists muffling the noise through his thick fur. Mummy was banging their bandaged hands against the wall, but even they knew that it was futile and rested their head against the wall. We just have to wait, Wolfie. We already know that this is a solid room with no exits. We don't know that for definite. There's a door here, on occasion. Maybe there's something here that we haven't found yet. Wolfie stopped his hammering and started sniffing. I'm sure I can find some kind of clue or something, anything. Working his way along the wall, he used his enhanced sense of smell in an attempt to get back to Lumpy and save him. He knew that when time slowed, it meant something came through. Yes, he didn't know for sure if it was something good or bad, but he didn't want to take the chance. Lumpy was indeed a huge being who would crush a rhino in a bad mood just by flicking his finger, but he was still, basically, a child. And Wolfie had found a paternal instinct along with his heightened sense of smell. There are times when a situation seems beyond hope. That there are matters that occur in life that even though you know, no matter what you do, the situation will remain hopeless. This seemed to be one of those situations. This is what was going through Igor's mind. However, he too had grown very much attached to Lumpy and even though they would just have to wait for the door to show up again, he just couldn't stand around. Wolfie, you carry on with your nasal capabilities. The rest of us can search this place for secret trapdoors, hollow walls, hidden windows, anything that may help us and him. Igor and Mummy set to work, each one starting in a different corner of the room. 
Even the Count realised the futility of the exercise, but even he, a man who had been alone for so long that the closest he had got to company was making his own puppet show that starred an ancient being who was a big hit with the ladies and made world-famous red wine. Even he started helping. And that is where we shall leave our companions for this episode. Remember to tune in in two weeks' time to find out what happens in the next chapter of Popcorn and Monsters. A universally fun horror show. Hello all, CK here. If you have been enjoying Popcorn and Monsters and you would like to get the episodes ad-free and early, three days early, then you can pop over to patreon.com forward slash popcorn and monsters where you can get the episodes early and ad-free. Plus, you can also get every episode of Mirths and Monsters also ad-free, but they're there for everybody to listen. Also, at the 5 and $8 tiers, you get merch as well. And $8 tiers, you get a Patreon-exclusive mug, as you are a producer of Popcorn and Monsters. Plus, you get your name read out after every episode. I will also be doing a, a wee series, a written series, of the history of the monsters from the show. Werewolves and vampires and mummies. Oh my! So if you'd like to learn that, you can pop over there as well. But... It's time to roll credits, and the credits this week are $8 tier patrons who are Courtney Eli, Kelly Vaughn, you know who you are, Rachel Miller, Amber Schilder, Rianne Potas, Carla Crawford, Connie, Fiber Ash, Dalen Payer, Brandy Johnson, Kristen Dunaway, Nicole Snyder, Nietzsche Florea, Katie Bischoff, Samantha Mason, Ali, and Alicia Tully. Thank you all very, very much. Till next time, my friends.